The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of Positive Talk Radio. First of all, I got to ask you, because technology being what it is, and me being a neophyte at some of this stuff, did that opening play okay? Sure did on my end. Okay, it sure sucked on my end. <laughs> and But that's that's okay. As long as the audience gets it, then it, it works out. That's, that's perfect. Um, one of my favorite people on the entire planet is with me again today. I just love her to death. Uh, her name is Ann Scotland. She's a uh, actress, um, or an actress, or an actor. What? What should, should because sometimes uh, they like to be called an actor, and even if, or if they're a female, it's an actress. Uh, which would you prefer? Yeah. So that's a good question. So I first started with actress, and then I thought, I don't know. There's sort of like some. It's really old school connotations at this point around an actress, and kind of like, yeah, you know there's this old sort of sense that they were of maybe questionable character sometimes. I don't know. Ask my mother. <laughs> so then I decided to go by actor. I said, let's just go with the generic. And then I was informed by pretty much all the women in Hollywood that no, it has to be actress. We're proud of being an actress. So actress it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's it. It's it's amazing. Just a simple word like that. And it, it draws up all sorts of, different things from our past and where we came from and all that kind of stuff. So totally right. she is an actress. She's an author. She's a podcaster and she does wonderful work. She's a, a, a wonderful lady. And, uh, and she actually has mailed me the book that I'm going to be reading as soon as it gets here. And I thank you for that very much. Yes. Yes. I actually forgot we were meeting today. I hadn't consulted my calendar and uh, I was like, Oh, this is great. He'll have it before we talk next time. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Whoops." laughs> Oh, well next time. <laughs> we'll, have it, we'll have it when we talk next time there because you, you are it. coming back again. Yay. Yay. Now you, you've evolved. I don't know if evolved is the right word. I am evolved, Kevin. I'm very highly evolved. Thank you. <laughs> you're, no, you're welcome. But you've you've transitioned from being an actress to doing much more than that. Um, and wh where did that transition come from? Wow, it's so interesting. So I think I was. Uh, we've talked some about my past on this show in you know previous episodes and just how I came from an extremely, extremely remote, conservative, and isolated upbringing, and uh, some of my natural talents, which were encouraged in the environment that I was growing up in, was leading, teaching, uh, mentoring, maybe even nurturing, and so those were also some natural gifts I think I was born with. So along my variety of 
careers and life journey, uh, you know, that kept coming back in. So even when I was acting uh, in Hollywood and still do, in fact, I had a great audition this morning for a Netflix feature. So we'll see how oh, that cool. goes. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so in Hollywood, uh, I had a studio reach out to me to help them teach. So we were teaching you know, newer actors. And I was also teaching them the business side of acting. Cause as you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been in business for myself almost, almost my whole life. And, um, so I said, sure, absolutely. Why not? And that evolved into coaching actors, both in the craft, but also in the business side. And I realized that that was just a really natural gift, like, like training, coaching, uh, consulting. Those were all hats that I wore with ease. So once I realized that in order to really, you know, pay the mortgage, I would probably have to make more than just um, teach a handful of actors. <laughs> and those of us who have been through the starving artist phase totally know what that means. Um, I decided to reach out and get certified at the College of Executive Coaching and Transition because I loved what I was doing so much. I said, I want to bring this into the world of entrepreneurs, into the world of corporate. I want to bring, and that's how my brand was really born around I got enormous amount of training in emotional wellness. And um, as you know, my book is called Live for Joy. So bringing joy into people's lives and helping them live a more joyful, happy, fulfilling life. And in however they decide to do that, that doesn't mean they have to go into the mountain someplace and meditate 20 hours a day. You can be a corporate executive, but you can still have joy in your heart. Absolutely. Or you can meditate for 20 hours a day. No judgment. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Everyone exactly. is different. No one diet fits all, right? People get derive joy from many different things and in many different ways. But I do find, especially around, among ambitious entrepreneurs and corporate people who I work with frequently, uh, you know, they get so into the game, plus they've got the mortgage, plus they've got the spouse or whatever, significant other, plus they got the kids, plus, you know, they got the three dogs, you know, <laughs> at some point, the things that brought them like really personal joy just for them get left by the wayside because they become considered non-essential. They're just not essential for survival, right? So people forget that they used to love to paint or that they used to love to write or they always wanted to write that screenplay or just how can they um, practice business differently that brings them more joy and makes them less stressed. Like just learning to incorporate healthy habits into life to find their joy. So it's really a creating awareness and then giving them tools. Are you helping some executives? Or let me put it another way. Are some executives coming to you and saying, you know, our current model of doing business ain't working. We're not, <laughs> our turnover is too high. Our productivity is not right. Mm -hmm. Um, our people don't seem to be happy. Um, what am I doing wrong? Do you are you able to go in and say, okay, here's what you got to do and 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 stuff? Yes. So myself, and then I also have associates that I work with as well that can come in depending on what kind of strategic part. If they're looking for a specific consulting around business strategy, I, I work with people who come in and, and work hand in hand with me. If they're looking to um, raise the level of performance through, you know, employee satisfaction, overall um, employee contentment and, you know, their satisfaction with their job experience, then yes, I can come in. Ideally, we work with management on one side. I work with the, uh, the rest of the company on the other side, and it's a two prong. So management gets trained first in what we're training everyone else. And they, um, you know, they get extra training in why it's so important and why, how it's dramatically affects their bottom line. And then we go and work with the rest of the teams 
to help them realize that they can build better practices into their everyday life, into their teamwork, into their remote work. And that just because you have a job and you have a life, it doesn't mean you're two people, we're all one. So a healthy, happy person makes a healthy, happy employee, vice versa. So kind of addressing the whole person and just like really finding really about being healthy. And being healthy means like feeling your best, living your best, working your best. Why not? Absolutely. I was shocked the other day. Uh, I was reading an article about, you know, a lot of companies have gone to remote work um, during the pandemic. And, and this one company decided, well, you know what? The pandemic is waning now. So we're going to get back to doing business the way that we've always done business. And so we're going to eliminate the work from home stuff. And they started noticing that their turnover went up. And their job satisfaction went down and, and they were so disengaged that they didn't catch why those things were happening because there were other employers offering this in the same line of work, offering about the same amount of pay that were saying, you want to work from home? Come on, you can work from home. We don't care. And, uh, and why do some employers get so dis discombobulated that they, they can't figure it out? So, so you're basically saying, so for some companies, remote work was, was working effectively for the team and the employees. And for other companies, it was people were leaving when they started working remotely. No, no. It was the other way around. Okay. I mean, Thank people, you for stating that. <laughs> people, <laughs> people liked working from home yes. because gas is $6 a gallon. I don't oh, know if you right. noticed. Yeah. And, and all for a myriad of reasons. And uh, they, they were saying, no, we like to have you come in so that we can keep an eye on you. But And then they were walking away. Yes. Okay. So that's the trend that I'm most familiar with as well. Although I have seen it in reverse. I was just talking to one of my private coaching clients the other day, and he was saying that he may or may not stay with his company because um, they want people to primarily work remotely. And he really thrived on his office culture. You know, he has a stay-at-home wife with three kids and working from home has been really challenging. And he's like, I miss the holiday parties. I miss the events. He's, he's not like some party guy. He just, he's like, this was part of what made my life feel happy and rounded was having, you know, two sides of my life to, you know, like I could go just be with all the adults and I could come home and be with the family and love both. But to be with the family 24 seven, I'm getting, starting to feel like climbing the walls a bit here. <laughs> and what am I going to do now? Go spend money to rent my own office space while I'm working for a mainstream corporation. Like this just makes no sense whatsoever. He's like, I may even shop around because I don't know this. I don't know. This is just not really fitting for me. And I thought that was fascinating because that was the opposite. Yeah. Well, you know, <clears throat> if you got, if you got a wife and three kids at home, and they're playing around and, and you're sequestered in your little office someplace and, you know, you, they got to be quiet. I can see how it could get it could get draining and could get tiring. So but yeah. there's got to be balance, don't you think? Yes. No, I think so. I think that the companies that are most likely going to come out with of this whole test period with the most sustainable results from what I'm seeing so far is the companies who create balance and employee options, right? So maybe some people just love working alone. They love being alone. They want to be home all the time. Okay. So maybe then 
they're required to come to certain events or, you know, monthly or quarterly retreats or events with the company. You know, they have to be involved at some point in human form with other people because that's really important for morale. And, you know, that thing we lost in COVID, like how much we realized we missed eating meals with people, like going to lunch going to dinner, whatever it is, just like, so those elements of sort of like the old break bread, right? <laughs> There's this camaraderie as old as time around things like that, about being in the same human space. But then there's another piece, which is some people love to be in the office, like this guy I was talking to. So I think giving employees some options, um, or if you're going to make them come in for one whole day of in-person meetings, then pick a day, keep it the same day, you know, have them coming in to office one or two days a week and be able to work from home, you know, finding a balance. There's a, one last piece to this is what COVID has also done is if we weren't already, it's made us so much more of a global culture than we were before, including in the corporate space. So now employees are literally scattered all over the world. My husband used to work for a French company. He's American. He's Silicon Valley based. Now he works for a German company. Um, you know, they go on their corporate retreats in what we would say Vegas for them was Croatia last year, which was very fun, by the way. And, you know, so, so there's people. And then his corporate retreat this year was in the Poconos, go figure, Berlin based company. And they were all so excited to go to the Poconos. <laughs> and it was just like, so there's this whole global environment where these people are working all over the world now in many cases. I mean, this is a tech company, so it makes a little more sense. But um, it really is about finding what works for your company and your employees um, and, and, and making that happen. What is your own company culture need? How do you create a company culture? Is that something that is just done uh, just just arbitrarily or is it, I, I at least i would think that a lot of thought needs to be taken into how you're going to create the company culture and what what ideals you're going to have and all of that is is it that specific or does a lot of it just just kind of show up as as this is our, our company culture of course, yes. And it so just depends. Once again, you know, I lived in Silicon Valley for quite a while with my husband and I saw many startup companies. They're literally just working 80 hours a week. They're not like sitting down with draft board, you know, like trying to figure out what the company culture is supposed to be. They're eating pizza together at 2 a.m. They, they have a company culture. <laughs> this is there's a deep camaraderie in a small startup, you know, where there was like an initial company culture. Right. And usually that was less planned. Then you get a medium-sized startup, 200, 300 employees. Things really start changing. Things become a lot more systematic. Everything's more about reports now and, you know, <laughs> sales forecasting. Things get a lot more formal. Still some resonance, some, some, you know, residue of that early relationship. But if it gets much bigger, now we have to say now we're a global company. Now we have people working in 17 countries. Now we have what is our corporate, what is our company culture now? Or maybe it is all in one city. What is our company culture now? The people that have come in have created a very different dynamic just from being there and who they are than those first 12 people, right? So after the first 12 disciples, <laughs> then you go to the next staff. No. <laughs> um, so it's like, okay, we got to reevaluate a little bit here and say what's important to people. I think consulting your people is the number one question for starters. You know, asking in, in within each team, asking, you know, everyone hates like getting an email survey. So asking people in person, taking surveys, whatever it is, 
what is most important to them? What's more valuable to them? Working less hours or having more office amenities? What is more valuable to them? Working from home more or working in the office more? What is more valuable to them? Do they like, some people love corporate events and parties. Other people dread them with like <laughs> the most deep dread. <laughs> so, so then you take an average of all that and say, okay, now let's bring our mission statement, our vision statement into this. Let's have each person come, you know, create their own mission and vision statement, both for themselves. This is kind of work I would do both for themselves as an individual. And then also as part of the, how that fits into the company mission and vision. And then let's start creating something that makes people excited to get up and go to work, whether that's at their desk across the hall or whether that's at the office or whether that's, you know, 6,000 miles away. I got to ask you because it seems to me, and it's been my experience that the entrepreneur and the corporate presence are two different, completely different animals. Yes. How do you coach somebody who's an entrepreneur, who's taken it from one guy, one employee, and is starting to grow and it's starting to really, how do you encourage them to make that? Cause there is a switch that's gotta be made because yes. you can't do everything yourself. Right. So how right. do well, you go ahead? Yeah. So do, what was the last thing? How do you, how do you, how do you coach somebody yeah. to make that transition? Mm -hmm. So, um, if I'm fortunate, it's, it's always an extra, it's extra fun when I get to work with someone who's just doing individual coaching first. So they've been, they've been coaching around their own personal journey, both personal and professional time management, you know, uh, task management, like how can I maximize my life as I'm basically becoming an executive as I'm a startup entrepreneur. Um, so when sometimes I get fortunate to have that base and that's really fun because you've developed a rapport and it's really exciting to see them grow. Like it's so exciting for me to become their like biggest fan. You have no idea. I get so excited when my clients are succeeding. Um, and, uh, but yeah, then when they're ready to grow, that kind of transitions into, you know, something else I also do, which is leadership coaching. So you might still have some bits and pieces of that personal coaching, um, but a lot of it has to do with strategic leadership. How do you learn to be a leader if that's not something that naturally is in your toolbox? What if you're an introverted kind of person, but now you have a company of 20 employees? Um, how do you, you know, what is that persona? How much, ex if you don't like really hanging out with people, how do you create enough accessibility so people don't think you're being stuck up in elitist? Um, you know, if you love hanging out with people, how do you isolate enough to get your work done? I mean, there's just all these questions like, how do you find the balance in leadership? How do you set the tone for your company? How do you interact with your people to decide, like we just said, what kind of company culture you want, what they want, what, what's really going to make affect the bottom line? And overall, the, ba the best bottom line is if you're happy, if they're happy and you have a product you're passionate about, you know, that's a great culture. How did you get so smart? Oh, dear. Don't ask my mother. <laughs> she called me smarty pants from, I think, day two. I'll say. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're really gifted at what you're talking about. You understand it. And you were an actress and, and you're an author. So you really are passionate about all of this. And you really work at it every day, don't you? I do. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly growing. 
I love people. I just love people that may have something to do with growing up in such an isolated environment or that I was just a natural people person when I was born. Um, but yeah, I love working with people. I love seeing people happy and healthy and productive. And like, I really mean that not just because, I mean, there's a million jobs I could go do and probably do decently at quite a few, but I love bringing people into the best part of themselves and they're living in that fullest place. Cause I've been in some really crappy places in my life and different journeys and crashed and burned several times. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, I know what it's like to live when you're stuck, when you feel trapped in an environment that's not healthy, whether it's personal or professional. Um, I know what it's like to, you know, have resources and then have no resources and then have, you know, how do you build resources again? How do you, you know, living, but living a quality of life starts in your mind and heart trusting your inner wisdom and your gut and, and not letting your circumstances dictate your happiness. And people always like, that's right about where I get the eye roll right there. <laughs> don't let your circumstances <laughs> dictate your happiness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but Hey, because guess what? I've worked with a lot of people and I know a lot of people. And if Everyone who I knew who is a happy person, let their circumstances dictate their happiness. They would not be very happy. Well, no and, one and, has a perfect life. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you, you were in one of the toughest professions that there is imaginable because every That's time, so. like you said, you just had an audition and, yeah. the, and every time you have an audition, chances are most of the time it's going to be no. Right. And it's going to be you're the wrong body type, you're the wrong face, you're the yep. too young, you're too old, you're too this, you're too that, you're whatever it is. I look and like the producer's ex-wife, you know. <laughs> exactly. And 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 so and a lot of these decisions are made and you're not getting a paycheck because you're and so now you have to go be a waitress or you've got to go do something. I, I imagine you spent your fair share of waiting tables. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Food service is such an essential industry and I am so grateful for the people who do it. And I am so grateful that I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> but, but this is truly, this is how I actually really got, you know, started exercising my muscles as a coach and getting trained into doing it because I wanted to teach these passionate artists and creatives who were kind of going broke trying to pursue their dream how could they have a healthy balanced lifestyle and pursue their passion you know some people they quit all their jobs move to la with five ten thousand dollars in the bank and think oh i'm good to go and uh that'll That's last about now. three months <laughs> Maybe if you're lucky. So it's like, no, how do I teach them to find balance? How can we get them a remote job where they can work nights and still be free in daytimes to audition? Or how can they, how can they balance their life out with maybe, maybe they do like working in food service and that's something that's great for them. How can they have multiple um, pots on the stove? As I like to use a very old reference from my grandmother, but still <laughs> multiple pots on the stove, right? If you keep several things simmering, then when one thing really takes off, you can decide when you want to turn the others off. You know, if you're, if your creative career, I used to tell them once you're creative or acting or writing career, whatever that was, once that takes off and is making more money than your day job, than your, you know, quote unquote, in the creative world survival job. Awesome. Then you can quit the survival job. But until then, let's keep all these pots simmering because there's nothing more miserable and unhappy than an unhappy creative. 
was absolutely broke. <laughs> it's like, it will really take your, it'll sap your creativity. And pretty soon you'll just be miserable. One day you'll wake up and say, I am so blankety, blankety, blankety miserable. What am I doing? <laughs> so you don't want to lose your passion, your drive, find balance. And that applies to everyone. And like I said, for the corporate people and the entrepreneurs, it's usually bringing creative pieces back into their life. If you had to describe one talent that an actor must have to be successful, what would it be? Whew. Someone just asked me this recently, actually, in an in a interview for a magazine article. And uh, I would say uh, learning to hand rejection like a champ. <laughs> I, I, I agree completely. You know, the, the interesting thing, <clears throat> I'm not sure if I was, I was talking to you about it or not, but uh, you know who John Edward is? Um, yes. I, remind psychic. me again what, that I'm thinking of the right one. He's a psychic medium. Oh, yes. And that he one. did. He did crossing over and he did a bunch of yes. great shows. Mm -hmm. And he, I just love him to death. And I interviewed him one time and he has a daughter who was, I think, seven or eight at the time, who was an actress. And oh, she'd yeah. been in several things. And uh, so, so I asked him because I heard that he had a unique way of dealing with the auditions. <laughs> and uh, he said they're not allowed to call them auditions. They call them interviews. And they and so we're going to interview for this thing for this part. And it's not an audition because an audition is like you're not right for it. You're it becomes very personal. A mm -hmm. a a uh, interview is just I'm interviewing for the job. And if it's mm -hmm. not the right fit for me, it's not that I'm a bad person or I'm mm -hmm. stupid or I'm short or I'm ugly or whatever. It's just that I'm, not, I'm just not the right fit. So that was his way of saying to her that you're not who you are auditioning as mm -hmm. you are much more than that. So, and that's, I, th I, like I think, that. and you, you get, uh, I, what is it? And I'm sure you've been through more auditions than you care to remember, but uh, <laughs> what percentage of getting the part did you get when you were auditioning? Was it 10%, 5%? What was oh, it? Oh gosh. It depends on what it depends on it's really hard to nail down. You know, if it's commercials, it could be maybe five or 10%. But then I've also heard people working and have been working in Hollywood for a lifetime in commercials who the ratios are about one in 50 auditions, but then they get paid really well for that one that they get. So it, then there's like, okay, then are you doing TV? Are you doing film? Are you only doing mainstream TV and film? Are you doing like, there's a whole new genre now. It used to be like independent film was like this, like, oh, super low budget, whatever. Well, now yeah. independent film is like this whole massive industry. And like I said, this morning I was auditioning for Netflix. It's like, you know, it, it's like, where do you draw the line between independent and not independent anymore? I don't even know. Uh, you know, it's, I, that's not my area of expertise. I just do the work. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's so many different genres in it. Um, also, the market is literally more flooded than ever before in history. So it's the most uh, oversupplied market in the world, to my knowledge. And you mean um, as far as a talent? Talent. It's oversupplied talent. I think that less than 10% of SAG members, so that's, first of all, being a SAG member is a small percentage of actors everywhere. Uh, it's expensive to be a member of Screen Actors Guild, and but especially in LA, it's considered fairly essential. 
And I think less than 10%, it might even be dramatically less than 10%, but I'm not going to say quote that on the air, um, are considered working actors that had employment that year. I think it was under 5%. I, so, I heard when I when I was contemplating being a thespian and going in, and I and I didn't did it in college and I I had several leads and in, in plays and that sort of thing and 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 stuff and I was talking with the director and he said at that time there were like thirty five thousand people that were in SAG the Screen Actors Guild and he said five percent of them or fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred actors could actually be making a living and be called a working actor um the rest of them were just bit parts and and but the marketplace has exploded with so many shows out there now yes Um, is it has that made it easier or is that just opened the floodgates of more people wanting to do it i think it's opened the floodgates um it kind of depends. Uh, I think now, I'm just, I was just looking it up, the SAG currently has 160,000 members. Holy mackerel. Uh, and I would say the ratios are the same or worse, if you want to say it that way. Um, but, yeah, uh, sorry, repeat your question. I got myself distracted. Question? Did I ask a question? No, I, oh, you I, asked a question. <laughs> No, I I asked it. It was let's see. That's that's going back. Oh. Re-roll, re-roll the tape. Let's yes, re-roll. The- we'll just start over. It was my bad. I dropped the ball there because I was, that, <laughs> I was that's looking right. at the numbers for you. But yeah, like how many people are actually employed? And um, the numbers game is really works against you in that industry. So when people come to me and say, "Hey, my kid is getting into acting." Um, could you give her some advice or my teenager or my college student is getting it and, you know, give her an advice. Maybe is there anybody, you know, that could help. And of course I always want to be helpful, but I also actually kind of take pride in being a very kind realist as well. Like, again, let's not just go into this assuming that it will work out. Let's actually look at the numbers. Let's actually, and not as a reason to discourage, but as a reason to say, how can I play the long game? How many pots do I need to have on the stove? Where am I going to live? Where's my income coming from? Um, Like, how do you do all that? And if you have, even if you have a child, I think it's important. Like, you know, he calls them interviews, not auditions. That's fine. You know, that's great. And if that works well for them, but you know, how do you kind of set them up to realize it's not just a personal rejection? Because even as an adult, as I said, like, this is the biggest part you said, what is that, you know, an actor really need the most to survive is yeah. The ability to, to handle rejection the numbers are just almost impossible. You really need to know someone or be related to a famous actor to kind of have your shoe in anymore. And um, yeah. The interesting thing about that is, for those of you who don't know how it works, it's a catch-22 thing. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is how it used to be, is in order to become a member of the Screen Actors Guild, you have to have a speaking part in a movie, play, or commercial. Mm -hmm. But in order to get a speaking part, in a play, commercial, or show, you have to be a member of Screen Actors Guild. So it's not like you can go and pay your $1,000 or whatever the dues is and become one. You have to have a speaking part in a movie, play, or commercial before you can even apply. Is that still the case? Yes. Even that's a one-off. And now you have to, I think, have three speaking parts. Oh, geez. Um, that's even worse. You kind of work up a ladder of checklists like the first one is the hardest one to get and then the second and then the third, and then you actually qualify. Um, 
So yes, and you should have an agent in order to get those parts. But in order to get an agent, they want you to have experience and be a SAG member. And like it's just like it's this crazy juggling thing. So you know, it's an amazing, <coughs> incredible creative industry. But to survive in it now, you really need to be a multifaceted person. You need to be what we call in the business a portfolio, have a portfolio career. That's what I have. You know, I used to do, you know. 90% acting and 10% my other business. And, you know, now I, those numbers switch. I don't know which is 60, 40, maybe I don't know which is which, <clears throat> but you have to kind of become a multifaceted person. Maybe you learn to direct, maybe you learn to be an on an air personality. Maybe you learn to do voiceover. Maybe you learn to teach, to coach. Maybe you just do something else completely entirely for the rest of your life. You want to be like a top level yoga teacher and you also happen to be an actor who can audition when they need to, you know, like you have to kind of sit around and plan it. I think that that kind of acting for specifically in this conversation is an amazing part of a person's life. Should you care to pursue it? But you have to make it a piece, a part, like less than 10% of your emotional well-being tied to that in order to be a happy and productive person. And if you hit the jackpot, just like the lotto, amazing for you. But at the same time, don't go around expecting it. Just enjoy the journey. Enjoy the incredible classes you get to take. And enjoy the incredible, mind-blowingly creative, artistic people you get to talk with and meet every day. And sitting in, in Starbucks, hearing people pitching their screenplays to, to the studios over coffee. And like, you know, go for the experience, but don't make it like, I'm a failure if I don't get in. How important is having really good improvisational skills. Very important. I mean, that's considered, you know, pretty much a fundamental. In fact, a lot of <clears throat> reputable agents and managers don't even take actors unless they've had improv training. Uh, if you've had improv training, you can probably audition quite easily for most commercial auditions. Uh, you might not be fully prepared for, you know, the whole dramatic TV and film and the very specific formulas used in like half hour comedy, for example. But it's literally a fundamental. Improv is a fundamental. Basically, it just means operating outside your comfort zone naturally. Yes. That's the whole point. And we know it if you're consumer only, people tend to know it as a form of entertainment. But what it really, and it does, it has formulas and I've studied it at some of the best schools. But what it really is about as a, as a, as a tool, as a tool of the trade, is learning to just be spontaneous naturally, whatever the circumstances are given. <laughs> and sometimes those circumstances can be quite unique and can be out of your comfort zone. Very much so. Very much so. Which also happens on set all the time. <laughs> which, which when I was in high school and we were doing uh, an improvisational class and uh, I had a good friend that and they just took a chair and they put the chair in the middle of the room and then you were going to sit on the chair and that was it. And then the, you would then you would pick somebody and or somebody would uh, they did a rotation and somebody would interact with that person in the chair and come up with what the scenario is and they would go from there right yep exactly so the person was this friend of mine who was sitting on the chair and so it was my turn and so I, I went and knocked on an imaginary door and said Don hurry up get out of the bathroom I gotta go and so he then had to play the part of taking a poop on the bathroom, you know, <laughs> on the toilet. Yeah. 
Yep. And, no, and that's he, perfect. It's a lot of fun doing that to your fellow teammates. When it is. <laughs> Just spring it on them. <laughs> and he was not prepared for that, but the, you know yeah. it was fun. And but yeah. but in any event, that's that's what. And I I encourage you if you have never done acting, and acting has helped me in so many ways in my oh. life. Is that that just being a just being poised to be able to know that you can respond to a situation? It helps in sales. It helps in management. Mm-hmm. It helps in speaking. It helps in doing what I'm doing now. It helps in on so many ways. Absolutely. And Absolutely. That's, and that's why you can do what you do and 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 get people actually excited about what you do. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's you know, it really helps when you. Um, when you take the tools of communication that you learn in acting and authenticity and then bring your own natural, like joy de vivre to it, you know, it, it's a great formula, right? Like I literally do love my life. I really do love people. And sometimes I get my feelings hurt when people will say like, well, I don't even know if she's genuine. Like, you know, she's an actress too. Like, how do you even know? <laughs> I get really offended because I'm just like, man, dang it. I was like a hundred percent being authentic with you in that moment. Like, you know, bonding with you. And just cause I look like I'm happy. You know, a lot of people don't like happy people. <laughs> Why is that? You need to explain that to me. Because it just shows them where they're not happy. And it also makes them realize that they might be partly responsible for their own unhappiness and just blaming others. Isn't really a solution to find true joy. But yes, indeed. Finding true joy is a, a lifelong pursuit for some of us. Yeah. And, and some think that it's, you know, my show is called Positive Talk Radio. And people, some people go, oh, come on. You know, positive talk, you can't do that all the time. And you can't, but I believe you can. Um, okay. even, even in negative situations, I, I think you can. Yes. No, because we have to. Because if we know that we are going to be fed a diet, like I I barely even watch the news and I'm still very well informed because it just leaks in no matter how hard you try. (laughs) You can't even open your phone without something popping up or you can't even talk to your mother without hearing something about the news or like you cannot hide anymore. You literally cannot unless you're going to go to a monastery in Tibet with no electronics at all. You're just, you're going to get it, right? But, you know, we're so inundated with all of the negatives because why? Because we are sensory beings and the advertisers know this. The more negative the story, the more traumatic the story, the more dramatic the story, the more people are going to kind of gawk and watch and see the advertisements. So positive stuff gets less advertising dollars in some sense because people are attracted to moaning and groaning and you know how miserable we all are and how the world is getting to be a worse place and i'm like hold on just a minute i just had a conversation like last week with a great academic friend of mine who um we were in college together and she came to visit for a few days and we were talking about how the world is really getting to be a better place and how she even talks about this with her students because her college students you know 18 19 20 21 they're like the world is all going to mm, in the handbasket and like, it's all over. And, you know, we'll be lucky to still be here in 10 years. And she's like, no, wait a minute now, wait a minute, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, and start kind of breaking down the realities of she and I both studied history in, in college. So, you know, looking at the past, understanding how things used to be, even 
50 years ago, even a century ago and where they are now, or even, you know, in, in law, in women's rights, in any kind of, you know, you know, emerging minority or majority <laughs> rights, all of our differences, <laughs> right? There's so many more opportunities. Like we're constantly growing and changing. Um, it's a less brutal world than it used to be. Does it perfect? No, but you know, I'm a woman, so I'm going to say that it matters to me that, and shockingly so, that it wasn't until the 1973, I think 1970s, where a woman could uh, challenge her husband legally for abusing her. Yep. Because it was considered just normal to smack a rifle around, to take her without without her consent, any of this. This, th what? You know, so like the younger generation, they're like, no, we're like, yes, you don't even understand. Like we are progressively getting to a better place. Technology has opened the sharing of information, which can be really negative and has created a lot of depression and anxiety, but also gives us the opportunity to realize that when we, instead of just falling into that trap, when we unify, when we bring together our passion and our talents for improving our world, we have so much more power to do it than ever before. It's actually a really hopeful time to be alive, you know, but it's just, I guess, a matter of perspective. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it really is. It's because as, as a student of history myself, you know, if you, if you look at what's going on with Russia, between Russia and Ukraine, and you go back to 1943, mm -hmm. that was happening all over the world. Um, <laughs> and it, it was, you know, I, I believe it's like 60 million people died uh, during the Second World War. Um, and it, I mean, it was our world was was shaking apart at that time. We recovered from it. Mm -hmm. We're going to recover from this as well. Yeah. And we're going to continue to move forward, mm -hmm. um, and, which is why uh, hopefully we can figure out. And, you know, explain to me, you're you're a, a student of of humanity. Why is it that we wait till we're absolutely on the brink before we go fix stuff? Oh, what is it my grandmother used to say? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Exactly. So, you know, we know, we now know that everybody knows now, because it's, as you and I are talking, it's going to be in the 90s here for the next, for the next week and in a half. Seattle, in Seattle, you guys. In, in Seattle, <laughs> yeah. And, and where, where, which, by the way, because of who we are, we nobody has air conditioning up here. No. Nope. Because we don't need it. But now yep. we've got 10 days of in the 90s. There are some people mm -hmm. that are that so drink lots of water, go, yeah, right. don't, you know, take care of yourselves. Uh, but take a trip uh, up into Mount Rainier National Park, get up in that alpine air, cool down a little bit. <laughs> exactly. But uh, but we always wait to fix it until it's near the end um, and, and stuff. So I wish we would stop doing that. But you know, I guess that's the, the human well, way. We need to train new leaders with new mindsets. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> we need to get new leaders. Younger leaders of this generation would be good. That's what I'm talking about. Because otherwise, I'll just have to zip it. But otherwise, yes, younger <laughs> leaders of our generation. Um, yes. Uh, uh, no, but for real, like this is where it's at. Education of our young people who are really suffering a lot. We've talked about this on other shows. They have anxiety and depression because of this information overload of negativity, because of this belief that if you, that you were meant to be someone extraordinary. And um, if, you, if you haven't read the book and I'm going to get the title exactly right, because you're going to recognize it. 
Um, yes. If you haven't read the book, the subtle art of not giving an F <laughs> look it up. It is a huge bestseller, including in the younger generation. And I have learned so much from that book because guess what? It is mathematically impossible for every child born to become exceptional. <laughs> That's the definition in itself makes that impossible. What about just being good at something you love to do and being proud of having a happy life, free to do the things you choose and be with the people you love? You don't have to be the celebrity. So for those, you know, I just had someone came into my office today and she said, oh my goodness, my son, and I apologize for my schnauzer. Gracie, come here. Oh, <laughs> Gracie wants to say hi. She does. <laughs> my, this lady said, my son, um, who's, uh, I think he's in his, you know, late 20s. She's like, you know, he's lost three of his friends in the last six months who chose to not be in this world anymore. And he's really having a hard time dealing with that. And, you know, there's this pressure that we all have to be exceptional and it's really become destructive. And even though so our parents have had the best intentions of giving us every opportunity, also, you know what? And to be a realist, which I am surprisingly for liking to be joyful, <laughs> <laughs> to be an optimistic realist, I like to say, sure. um, you know, what about teaching kids like how amazing it is to just love your life? You don't have to be the president. You don't have to be a movie star. You don't because everyone feels like they're failing and they're 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 so depressed and they're so anxious um, that life isn't always worth being around for. And that's not the life we want to create. These people, the younger generation, they have such a passion for the world. They're, you know, of course they have ambitions, but they're less driven by the ambitions of money than say my generation was, which is all about who's got the job that was paying more and what kind of car were they driving and who were they dating? And of course that still exists, but there's a much greater awareness in this improving world of ours and the younger generation about the rest of the world, understanding other cultures, understanding what needs to be done, whether it's for the environment, whether it's for education, whether it's for women's rights in, in developing countries, whether it's there's so much. And they're like, I want to be a part of that. And we need to tap into that and let them realize that if they want to really be exceptional, instead of having to become a famous actor, what if they just learn how to teach kids in Rwanda to start businesses? Do you know how much probably I'm just going to say, even for myself as an actor, more satisfying truly in the end that is to see those lives transformed. And if you happen to like acting and tell stories and you get to do that for part of your life, that's freaking amazing. But how about finding those fulfilling places where you just enjoy your life and you're not measuring yourself by anyone else's standard, no FOMO, no comparing, just loving what you do and loving your life. And now that is, I think, something that our parent, that parents can teach their kids, live, learn by example. We have a whole new generation of leaders that care about the world and the environment we live in and the people in it. Um, but they need our love and attention right now. They do. They do. And but you're absolutely right. Is that it doesn't matter really, honestly. At the at the end of the day, we're here for such a short period of time. It doesn't matter that you have to excel at everything. If, if, if you are excelling at being kind to yourself and being kind to other people around you, that's enough. Yes. Um, you yes. don't have to be. And plus the fact that you, you know a lot more stars than I do, but I'm willing to bet that some of them are very unhappy people. It's a brutal life. 
And, you know, I, since I work so much around self-development, you know, personal development and um, self-improvement, you, you, you certain realize that it's our own self-image is really what gets us in the end either way. You know, you can win a million dollars and fall apart because it's so out of your comfort zone, or you can lose a job that makes hardly anything and fall apart because that's out of your comfort zone. You could be famous. You could be not. It's anything. It's really about how do you believe yourself to be? And what about living the best version of you that feels natural? What is the best version of you that feels natural? Where do you feel at your best, your most energized, your healthiest? You know, um, it doesn't mean that just because you're really naturally good at video games, that's all you should ever do. But maybe creating video games could be an incredible career. <laughs> you know, but what makes you happy and passionate? And, and guess what? And I would say this too, for the younger generation, it doesn't have to be your profession. You can have, as I've said before already, you can have your day job, your job that's okay, kind of, but definitely pays the bills, which is great. Makes you secure. You can afford your car. You can afford your house. You can afford all your basic needs. And then in your, in your free time or evenings and weekends, you're doing some passion project or humanitarian product project or art project or you're taking acting classes that just give makes your life literally worth living. Your career doesn't have to be the only place where you can live out your passion. So find the balance and give yourself a break already. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I can't think of anything better than than having a job, doing what you're doing and then and then acting in community theater. They don't make any money doing that, but they get the joy of creating. And that's yeah. that really is it's money be damned. It has nothing to do with it, really. It's the joy of creating. Yes. Yes. And and this is my whole life. You know, this is why I pursue my profession, you know, as an emotional wellness specialist and, and all the things that I do, my book, my writings, um, all of that is because it's a balance and I keep acting and I keep my agents because I also love it and I have a commitment to it and I still get to audition and act and it's amazing, but it doesn't define who I am anymore. Cause as a younger actor, it did define who I was. And I was extremely unhappy because I just felt like I was such a loser because the numbers are freaking impossible. Right? So it's kind of like the lottery. You got to be prepared to win or buy the ticket, if you will. <laughs> I don't encourage lotteries, but anyway, my husband plays them. I don't, it's okay. It's a family well, thing. Tell him, <laughs> tell him, thank you for paying more taxes. There, so right. That's what I tell. I was like, thanks for supporting our infrastructure, <laughs> but yeah. No, it's, 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 I, in in all the studying that I've done, and I think then one of the reasons why. By the way, we're talking with Ann Scotland. She's got she's got the wonderful book that is called "Live for Joy." Live for Joy. It's in the mail. It's coming to me. I'll be getting it soon. Yeah. And uh, live for joy because at the end of the day, at when you're, I don't know, when you're 80, 90 years old, and it's it's your, it's your time to leave the planet, and you've worked your butt off all that time and you've earned a buttload of money and and you and and or or you haven't and and you're still unhappy you miss so much if you can't live with joy if you if you can't just enjoy every day when you walk outside just enjoy the surroundings stop and look around a lot of us don't even do that yes now life is worth living and that's the whole point in every every teaching that talks about being present. It's not about necessarily being present in the negative, 
but being present in the positive and learning to focus on what you really enjoy. And if you want to find how can you become more aware of your joy, what's giving it to you and what's sucking it away, right? How, if you want to become more aware of just how you notice life and how that can improve and create more joy for you, then I also always give my free gift to all of Kevin's people, which is a one-week joy journal. It's two questions in the morning, two questions at night. There's not a lot of writing. It's just creating awareness. It's full color. And I'm going to give you the URL. It's um, a hidden page on my website. Uh, it's www.annscotland.com forward slash joy journal. So that's A-N-N-E. S-C-O-T-T-L-I-N.com slash joy journal. You can print it out and handwrite in it. It's colorful. It's beautiful. Or you can type in it digitally if that's your jam and, and, and give it a test. <laughs> See what, what is really bringing you joy and what's taking it away. You might be really surprised actually. And in just one week, it can start to change your life by just changing your awareness. And you'll end up being more joyful. And you'll really be more joyful because you're going to have more fun with it. And, and I, I really appreciate you and you, you've been on the show before you're going to come on the show again. <laughs> I we, we have a good time every time that we, the, that we, yes, we do. and, and you are so delightful. You, you, you <laughs> it's always just, a pleasure. So, but I do have to ask you, um, mm. getting back to the acting thing a little bit, Yes. which, which I think is really is a crime. But why are actors, as in men, and actresses, or actors, as in women, why are they treated differently in Hollywood? Hmm. It's the game as old as time. Um, in this country, it's the value that we still discriminate. We still discriminate around value between sexes um, and including, you know, a wide range of other sexual preferences. Um, there is a stereotype that we've allowed to continue for far too long. You know, we almost passed the vote in the 70s for equal pay in this country. We did. Really, that was 50 years ago, you guys. Yep. And in the progressive countries, the more progressive, I'm going to call them more progressive countries in, uh, in, in Europe and in, in Scandinavia. That is not a thing. They think it's crazy that Americans still have this. So it's, it's a universal issue. And um, we can all help by just recognizing the value of human life, the value of all human beings being equally intelligent and differently gifted. Well said. Very well said. And um, <clears throat> since we're coming to our time together, I'm going to honor our time so that because I know you've got an abundance of things that you could be doing other than talking <laughs> to me. Um, but I want to give you a moment to tell our audience, the ones that are listening now and the ones that will be listening in the future, anything that you would like them to know. By the way, this is Anne Scotland. Go to annscotland.com. I'll get that out of the way for you. Thank you. Yes. And that's Anne with an E and Scotland, L-I-N. Yes. Uh, one thing I could tell you, <clears throat> one thing I could tell you is every day, um, wake up with something that you're grateful for, even if it's just that you have a fan in your room this week. <laughs> wake up and think of something you're grateful for. Try to notice the positives instead of the negatives, the breeze instead of the heat. Give yourself a chance. It's just programming. It's just programming. We have joy easily accessible to us. And uh, I also coach individuals and groups. Reach out. You can email me. I'm going to give you my personal email address, contact at annscotland.com. I would love to hear from you in just any ways that I can help collaborate with you to bring you more joy in your life. And thank you so much, Kevin McDonald. 
since you are a coach and you are a master coach, can I run something by you real quick? Oh, yes. Right Please. Right um, I'm, I'm coming up <clears throat> with something that I'm calling, and it's based upon a, a um, idea that Pete Carroll uses, mm -hmm. uh, who's the coach of the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the one of the things that he determines whether who he's going to draft or not is somebody who has what he terms as grit. And so I've come up with a term and an acronym for for grit, and I call it authentic grit. Um, can I can I tell you what it means to me? Yes, please. Um, authentic grit. Oh, bring puppy back. There we go. I'm here. Um, Sorry, technical issue. That's a, that's quite noise right. control. That's why these shows are live because they're that's real. Right. <laughs> they're it's, real. Exactly. Yes. So I want to know about grit. So authentic grit is this. Um, G stands for gratitude, always developing personally, professionally, and spiritually. R stands for resilient, never quit, strength of character, positive, passionate and humble indomitable spirit hardiness excellence of purpose powerful kind and honest and tough mentally determined hardworking, courageous and creative um what do you think about that oh i love it you don't understand you're talking to like the queen of acronyms <laughs> <laughs> Words make me so happy and acronyms are even better than words because it's just a word of words. So that's amazing. Gratitude, resilient, indomitable spirit and tough. And I can't remember the, all of the other words you said, but um, those were the, uh, the acronym for grit, right? Correct. I and love uh, beca because grit is, and by the way, some people are born with grit. That means that they're just tougher than others. Mm -hmm. It is, is something that can be attained and they can be learned. Mm -hmm. But it also, in and of itself, can also be used in a negative way. Yes. And so that's why authentic grit is more of a positive because you are making the intention. And I suppose I could also, instead of indomitable spirit, I could use intention. Oh, I like intention because, yeah, the kind of indomitable is similar to tough in a way. I like intention. I talk a lot about intention. I say, you know, I coach, I, I coach people intentionally. Um, I want, you know, living life strategically. I think intention is really a great, great tool to think about. That's and that's why I'm I'm talking to my coach, uh, <laughs> Anne, right here because she just made me change that, and so I'm going to do that because intentionality is is really, you know. Being grateful for who you are and what gifts you've got, but being intentional and purpose of everything that you do is what really can set you apart, even mm -hmm. if you're not going to be, ever be a millionaire. And most yeah. people are not going to be. But mm -hmm. if you if you can, at the end of the day, say, I was I was grateful, I was intentional and I and I love my life and I, I was resilient, I bet mm -hmm. every time. I, I uh, had a, had a problem. I bounced back from it and I'm tough. Um, yes. And at the end of the, at the end of your life, you can't ask for more than that. No, no, because you can be satisfied with what you have worked to achieve. And, and, and grit is important, meaning we all have to have a backbone at some point. We all have to, like you say, learn to be resilient. Resilience is a learned thing. I can see from experience. Um, sometimes we have to be tough. Um, 
being grateful is huge. And I love that you're, that it's number one, of course, because yes. it has to be, um, because having grit is sort of a piece of life, but it doesn't mean that life has to be miserably hard. Grit is a piece. It is one of the best tools in the toolbox of life to make you enable you to live a happy and healthy and successful life. But just because you you don't have to use that tool all the time. And the more you focus on the joy and the positives, then you have plenty of reserves of grit whenever you need it, but you don't use it up on like getting mad at that driver in front of you. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't <laughs> ever do that. I, <laughs> yeah, I try. You know. I, and I try. I really, <laughs> really try. Hey, you need to move to LA if you think you have problems. <laughs> Well, I'll give you I'll give you an example. This this just happened the, the day before yesterday. I was in a parking lot and a a car pulled out of the spot. It's a prime spot. It was right on the front row, right next to where the buildings were. And they pulled out and I was sitting there and I was waiting for them to leave so that I could pull in. And then there was a car on the other side that was doing was waiting that the and it turned out to be a woman of all things now if it was a, if it was a hairy guy i might have just taken the spot and said sorry sucker but i gave her the spot and i then then i swore and so, <laughs> so so i was like god damn it and and, and went on and and, and stuff. So while I, I did the right thing but i didn't do it intentionally the right thing does that make sense yes 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 and i think the right thing is also um Right, it's different for everybody every day. Yeah. Sometimes we get we get a we get I'm just use the word blessing for lack of a better word. Um, we get a bonus, we get a blessing out of doing a kindness. And sometimes we have to be assertive for ourselves. Like this is the most important job interview of my life, and I'm going to take the spot. Exactly. Should you do it if you just need groceries? Probably not. So you know what's right in the moment is always changing, and that's like. I think that gives us a comfort zone too, to like give ourselves more permission. And again, with the grit, use the grit. You have to have it to survive, but it's a tool. You don't have to like be clawing your way through life. I think that's what I used to feel like. He was like, you had to have grit and you had to be tough. And I was like, that sounds freaking exhausting. <laughs> and then is. I realized, oh, you don't have to do it all the time. <laughs> yes, indeed. And, and no, it, it is. So. And Scotland, thank you so much for being here. I just enjoy our time together. You oh. are just such an amazing human being. Thank you, Kevin. You as well. It's always such a pleasure. Grace says thank you, too. She's falling asleep on my lap now that I'm in the office alone today, so I, I have to babysit her myself. Say and goodbye, Grace. Well, and, and she's not barking anymore, either. She, no, she she's was, not. She's getting cuddles, so she's happy, finally. <laughs> that was that was all she wanted. That's all. Know, Gotta love the animals. Sometimes in life, all we want is a little cuddle, a little cuddle, a little hug, a little share the love. And, you know, when you share the love, when you receive it, it takes a little less grit to live. Well said. Couldn't say that better myself. Thank you so much for being here. Go to anscotland.com, Get the book and uh, and hire her as a coach. It'd be well worth it. I'm That'd telling you. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Stay right there. I'll be right back.
Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.